is up, baseball fans? You are listening to Take Me Out to the Ball Game, the world's most legal baseball podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Dauber, and I use she, her pronouns. The baseball world is currently buzzing with anticipation for the upcoming court case of the New York Millennials versus Parker McMillan III, the CEO, Commissioner, Prime Minister of Internet League Baseball, and that coin probably also known as the boss. To help you prepare for it, listener, I have been attending the equivalent of Blaseball Law School to get caught up on the history of Blaseball legal actions. I've also brought in a couple of experts, one being Brief Games, paralegal for case sports of the Wild Wings legal team, and Blaze attorney of the Chicago Firefighters. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Take Me Out to the Ball Game was sponsored by the New York Millennials. So the people have spoken, so it shall continue. We voted. We made our voices heard. And Parker McMillan III and his boss of equity have taken that voice from us. The coin came in and promised an age of fair play. But one of their first actions was to take away the great equalizer we had. With no notice. No voting. Like we have done everything else in this sport. We were assured that we could vote on and help define the future of our beloved Blazeball. And now the decree we rightfully chose is gone. How is this considered fair? The New York Millennials have decided that they will not stand for this and they are asking for you to lend your voices to theirs. Together we can show the 1% that they cannot ignore the rules. They cannot disregard the book when so much of our past and the makings of our future sit within its pages. Time and time again we have risen up against those who seek to push us down. We have defeated the shelled one. We have watched as beloved colleagues fall into the horrors of capitalism. We cannot allow Parker McMillan III to expose us to one more risk. Come to the Hellmouth. Make your voices heard once more, and help us remind those who seek to control and manipulate us that we will not back down from our rights. Capitalism. Eat the rich. We are the New York Millennials, and we approve this message. For more information on the Eat the Rich class action lawsuit, Visit ParkerClassAction.com. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. You're listening to Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I'm your host, Kimberly Dauber, and today we are doing Blaseball Law 101. I am here with two legally expert guests involved in the upcoming case of the Millennials versus the Commissioner and the Boss. Uh, guests. What should we call you? What are your pronouns? And is the commissioner doing a great job? Let's start with uh, Brief Games. Um, Yes, my name is Brief Games. I'm a paralegal for the Mexico City Wild Wings. Um, And you can call me Brief. I use he, him pronouns. uh, And my assessment of the commissioner's performance, much like Eat the Rich, has been suspended due to pending litigation. Thank you, Brief. We've also got Blaze Attorney. Hi, uh, my name is Matthew, or mpark6288, on both the Blazeball Discords and Twitter, and I am the Blaze attorney for the Chicago Firefighters, and I use he, him pronouns. And I think the commissioner is doing a great job pending the outcome of future litigation. 
which is such a good lawyer answer, I had to steal it. (laughs) Hey, listeners, this is Kimberly. I'm cutting in to give you a brief history of legal actions that have taken place in Blaseball before we get into the rest of the interview. As far as I can tell, there have been five cases as of season 11. The first case was the Mexico City Wild Wings versus the Blaseball Gods. In this lawsuit, the Mexico City Wild Wings sued the Blaseball Gods for placing them in the mild league in spite of them being the Wild Wings. As a result, the team was renamed from the Wild Wings to the Mild Wings until they became Mild League champions in Season 7 and the gods restored the name Wild Wings. This was the Wild Wings legal team's first case. The second case was Turnabout Morgan, and it was a murder trial. It's kind of hard to summarize, and Brief does a great job later in the episode, so I'm just going to leave this one for now. The important thing to remember about Turnabout Morgan is that it was the first trial held in Sunbeam's court, which is where the current trial is being held. The third case was Skazer versus Sarah. This one was held in the Tiger's court, and it will also be summarized later in the episode. For now, suffice to say that it involved a tiger pit, which you can still check out in the Discord if you team hop over to the Tigers. The fourth case is the current one, the New York Millennials versus Parker and the Boss. That is the case this episode is about. And then the fifth and final case is currently ongoing. It is the Chicago Firefighters versus Umpire Pope Sunman. The firefighters are suing Sunman because Sunman incinerated most of Chicago for repeatedly referring to him as Poop Sunman. Just ask a Firefighters fan for more info about that one. They will be happy to talk about it. Okay, now you are all caught up on the history of Blazeball legal cases. Let's get back to the interview. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Uh, Before we get into the lawsuit itself, can you just tell us what each of your roles is in this uh, upcoming case? Let's uh, let's start with brief. Um, Yeah, so I've been a paralegal with the Wild Wings legal team for our star attorney, Case Sports, uh, since about season six. I was brought on to help with the defamation case, and currently um, I am sorting through the pile of evidence that we've received um, on our website, uh, parkerclassaction.com. I'm sorting through that evidence and publishing it on our Twitter account, Um, so kind of just helping Case get everything together so that they'll be uh, well prepared for the lawsuit. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And then uh, Matthew. So I am what's called in the courts an amicus curiae in the Mills lawsuit, which means friend of the court. I am representing uninvolved third parties who thought that there were important legal questions for the court to consider and filed a brief in order to make sure that the court had that information before them. Ah, okay. So you're not directly suing or being sued, but you're deeply interested in what's going on. In the in the millennials lawsuit, I am not being uh, representing a party that's being sued or suing. We are just uh, uh, fans of baseball that felt there were important legal questions. Other firefighters related litigation notwithstanding okay okay all right well thank you both so much for coming on the show today let's start off by explaining this current court case of in case anyone hasn't heard about it yet of the new york millennials versus the commissioner and potentially the boss uh 
brief since you're on the Wild Wings legal team. Could you explain to us uh, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, the current lawsuit is a simple demand, really, that the forbidden book, uh, Rule 6, Section H, be followed as written. Um, and I'll read it so that everyone's familiar with it. Uh, the book says, every season immediately before the election, the wealthiest 1% of fans will have their coins removed and distributed evenly to the other 99% of fans. All we're asking on uh, the millennials are bringing the suit on behalf of the 99% um, that there's a restitution for damages caused by two seasons now of Eat the Rich going uncollected. Okay, so we were supposed to get some coins and we didn't. We were supposed to get some coins. We did not get any coins. And we think that suing the commissioner and the boss will get us coins or something. Or something. People were counting on this money and they haven't gotten it now for two seasons in a row, which is even worse than when we started the lawsuit. So we're, uh, we're just looking to be, ma- be made whole. Okay, okay. So I was looking through this. I was looking through this lawsuit and I saw a couple of things going on in it that were kind of legal jargony that I, I didn't quite understand. So I'd like to get some legal background for our listeners um so one thing that i noticed in this lawsuit which is which by the way you can find on parkerclassaction.com it has the following sentence it says the decree and the book constitute a written promise that meets the requirements for the doctrine of promissory estoppel i don't know if i'm saying that right it says plaintiff's counsel aren't entirely sure what this means but it sounds legit, and it prevents defendants from immediately dismissing our case, Parker. So what does this mean? <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Matthew, since you're since you're an attorney, can you tell us what his promissory what his promissory estoppel? Absolutely, promissory estoppel is kind of a foundational part of contract law. It fundamentally says that if party A makes a promise to party B and party B relies on that promise to their detriment, then they can enforce Mm. that promise from party A. And the classic law school example of this is a case called Hammer v. Sidway, which was from New York in the uh, 1890s. And a young man was promised $5,000 by his uncle if he abstained from drinking, smoking, or playing cards until he was 21. When he did so, his uncle tried Mm. to claim that it wasn't enforceable. But the young man showed that because he had not done those things, he hadn't engaged in social activities with his friends that were common in the 1890s and still common today, he had detrimentally Mm. relied on it. And therefore, his uncle was stopped from saying that it wasn't enforceable. So promissory estoppel is simply the process by which you show that a promise was relied on detrimentally and therefore should be enforced by the court. Okay, so in our case, since we the 99%, I'm in the 99%, I'm not good at getting coins. Since we the 99% (laughs) of baseball fans rely on Eat the Rich happening and we were promised that it would happen, uh, and we are now, we, there is now some detriment to us because we can't, we couldn't, uh, there were a couple things that we couldn't do uh, without Eat the Rich happening. This says that the courts can enforce that Eat the Rich must happen. Is that is that how this applies here? Pretty much, but it's even more broad than that because it's not just because the 99 cent, 99% need the coins. It's because all Blaseball fans 
interacted with the sport through bet. Excuse me, sport. I don't know where that came from. With the sport through betting, they were relying on the promises of Eat the Rich, both the 99% and the 1% who made financial decisions based on Uh. that expectation. So theoretically, every baseball fan who betted during the affected seasons has a claim that they relied on that detrimentally and it should be enforced. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's, so that's promissory estoppel and that's how that applies here. There's a couple of other stuff going on. The whole website says that this is a class action lawsuit. Can, uh, can one of you tell me what class action lawsuit is? What does that mean? A class action lawsuit is kind of exactly what it says on the tin. It is an action Uh, It is a lawsuit brought on behalf of a class of people, in this case, Mm. baseball fans that suffered because of the lack of Eat the Rich enforcement. It relies on there being a a certain discernible group of people who were affected and who are therefore entitled to damages. So where normally this would be the millennials suing on their own behalf, uh, like the uh, Wild Wings did during the defamation lawsuit, here... They are suing on behalf of all baseball fans who were affected by the lack of enforcement of Eat the Rich. Okay, okay. So the class action bit really just refers to the fact that this is on behalf of all of us, all of us baseball fans, and not only the New York millennials, even though the millennials are the ones who are actually suing. Exactly. They're the ones who brought the suit and they're the ones who are dealing with the legal processes. But they are if they Mm. win, the judgment will be on behalf of all members of the class. I see. I see. Okay. so speaking of like making a judgment, this case is happening in Sunbeam's court, I think. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe uh, (laughs) somebody can tell us what's going on with that. Like Sunbeam's court is not in New York, nor is it on the immaterial plane, which is where I assume the commissioner is. Uh, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll start here and then we'll see where we, we'll see where we end up. Okay. So yeah, Matt did an excellent job of summarizing what the law here in the material plane is and what we believe, um, that a lot of this law still applies in the immaterial plane. But, um, as is evidenced by the only previous case in Sunbeam's court, um, the, it could all not matter at all. We don't really have any <laughs> idea what's going to happen because I think chaos would be like the only word to use <laughs> to describe the first trial in Sunbeam's court. Absolutely. I wasn't there when it happened, but I've read through a transcript yeah. and watched some kind of animated version of it mm-hmm. where it's like they uh, a few times and I don't know what's happening but can i do my best to try to to try to say what happened give it a shot give it a shot okay so the sunbeams community were on trial for and by community i mean the the discord users (laughs) the discord users were on trial for their team captain um murdering their team captain via bone course and bone course is not um (laughs) a legal, legal doctrine that I think many people are familiar with or like a word, um, but I believe that it means it's just something that happens in Sunbeam's discussions about the nature and classification of bones and other items 
and whether or not all items are bones. Okay. That is what I believe bone course to be. Terrifying. And so somehow, yeah. somehow bone course was responsible for the murder of a team captain. I believe they said, if you, if the bone course continues, I will die. The bone course continued and they died. Oh, that seems pretty open and shut. Right. And so the kind of confusing part is that the judge also... Uh, thought it was pretty open and shut and admitted so before the case. Mm. Um, The judge in this case is uh, Keeper Sins. Mm. The judge in the case pointed the jury in the case, Mm -hmm. took the stand in the case. Mm. So none of this would be, I don't think, standard legal practice to have the judge, jury, and witness all be the same person. This was further complicated when um, umpire Sunman came in um, on accident. He was looking for traffic court. (laughs) Um, and he was the one who made the decision that Keeper Sins was the judge and jury oh. and that the dead captain, Morgan, was the executioner. Ooh, um, twist. Judge Sins was also openly admitted in the trial to having been paid a bribe of 900 bones and noted multiple times that the defendant was guilty. And then when it was all done, everyone involved was incinerated. Cool. Does that make sense? I, I don't understand what could be confusing know, about that. I don't know if it makes sense, but I will say that <laughs> that's Blaseball, baby. Uh, it is definitely blaze very Blaseball. Can I actually get one clarification? What is a what is a keeper? What does keeper sins mean? Mm, yeah, so a keeper, from my understanding, is the people who are in charge of the making sure our Discord, that is the heart of the baseball community, remains operating and functional. Um, I believe it's mostly a, or maybe entirely a volunteer group, but a great group of um, individuals looking out for the best interests of baseball okay. across Discord. Okay, okay. So, so we've got Keeper Sins, and it is mm-hmm. going to be the judge for the upcoming trial as well. Um, and jury and witness. Oh, again? They've already submitted evidence. Okay. So All right. That's, that's good. We've got a very much a similar thing happening okay. here with judge sins, so, jury sins, so witness sins. Why is why is why are the millennials taking this to Sunbeam's court? Was there a particular reason for this, or just that there's precedent? <laughs> Um, I think it's important to note that it was actually uh, the commissioner who unilaterally declared that it would be held in Sunbeam's court. Oh. (laughs) Correct. This may indicate my ignorance and that I'm only a paralegal here, but I was actually unaware that Sunbeam's court existed Hmm. until the commissioner asked or said, stated that that's where the trial would be held. So um, I, I didn't know it existed, and I've been getting up to speed like the rest of us as to what Sunbeam's court is, and I'm astounded at every turn. Okay, okay. Uh, before we cut to a short break, um, Matthew, have you got uh, any words about Sunbeam's court? Uh. Uh, when I was reviewing the Morgan case, the what occurred to me was that Sunbeam's court has the criminal procedure of equivalent of Calvin Ball, where it seems like they just make up the rules as they go along. So I think what the commissioner is hoping for is probably a more freewheeling court where they can uh, exert a little bit of their personality. But they also Mm. risk establishing that uh, uh, 
court in the hellmouth is the proper jurisdiction for all baseball lawsuits going forward. And I, I mm. wonder if they've thought about that risk, because if it goes against them, as it might, given the judge has already registered evidence that says, pay me my money, Parker, uh, they risk going time and time again into a hostile court in this new era of litigation. All right. All right. Well, thank you both for being here. Listeners, when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about what this case means for Blaseball. But first, in order to give you another bit of an idea of what a Blaseball court looks like, I contacted Fitzgerald Blackburn of the Houston Spies, uh, Spies Win. Fitzgerald Blackburn is here with a report on the trial of Skazer versus Sarah, which took place in the Hades Tigers court. Over to you, Fitz. Listeners will be right back. This is Fitzgerald Blackburn of the Houston Spies. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for having me on the show. I'm here to tell you everything you need to know about Skazer versus Sarah, the Onceler trial. October 22nd, 2020, Sunbeam's Captain Skazer drops the following poll in the official Blazeball Discord captain's chat. Is Tillman Henderson the Onceler of Blazeball? For those uninitiated, I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but the Onceler is the protagonist villain of Dr. Seuss's classic The Lorax, most infamously known for having a wild fanbase that has gone as far as to romance him with himself. After some shocked responses, Moist Talker's Captain Pigeon responded by saying, quote, We're suing you next for Onceler discourse. The suit is quickly dropped by Pigeon out of fear that the Onceler may become canon within Blazeball lore, but after some dissent from the crowd, Sarah, who was known for having personal experience with the Onceler herself, picked up the case. The trial was set for the Court of Hades, the conversation moved to Tiger's chat, and statements were made. Enby was appointed as Skazer's legal defense, with Pigeon supporting Sarah's role of legal representative for the prosecution. In their first statement, Skazer claimed that they were simply warning the Discord of the dangers that may befall them if Tillman becomes the Onceler. Sarah chimed in to say that the risk of Tillman becoming a Onceler naturally was negligible compared to the damage caused by Skazer's posting of the poll. Sunbeam's Discord user Garf, in an attempt to spare Skazer from an unfortunate fate, provided an inspired rendition of Antony's famous eulogy for Julius Caesar. Oh, judgment, and thou art fled to Janus beasts, and beams have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is on the stand there with Skazer, and I must pause till it come back to me. Shortly before the trial began, an artist by the name of Dee had posted a, well, simply mortifying rendition of Tillman Henderson wearing the Onceler's iconic green suit. Dee is brought to the stand. Pigeon claims that the drawing came about one hour after Skazer's warning, and that as such, Skazer may be at fault. But it should be noted that this isn't any normal court. This is Hades' court, and in Hades' court, the final decision is made in the Tiger Pit. Both Sarah and Skazer are dropped into the pit and select their weapons. Sarah decides to select the Tooth Orb, a Moist Talker's relic. It's a brown ceramic orb with a plug on one side, filled with teeth both human and animal. Skazer decides to turn their entire body mass into birds, the type of bird changing throughout the fight. During the fight, multiple representatives of other teams managed to fall into the pit by accident, and Thursday of the firefighters was eaten as well. 
In the last-ditch effort to honor Kiki Familia, Sarah asks if the tigers will unionize. They do. Sarah is devoured. Skazer attempts to turn the tigers against each other, but is unsuccessful and is devoured as well. Both parties in the end are found guilty. Their punishment? Death by tiger. The word is banned from the official discord. Now, after this, I did a little bit of additional investigation. I reached out to Garf, who, while understanding Skazer's guilt, was unsettled by the judgment, saying that Skazer was a member of Hellmouth Community College and that perhaps they could have led a class on Wunzler capture and containment to protect from further Wunzler outbreaks. When speaking with Pigeon, Pigeon claimed that the Tiger Pit was not even announced until court was in mid-swing, and that, quote, Perhaps with more time to prepare, my client might have thought of a weapon that did something more effective than scattering teeth on the ground when broken. Pigeon also claimed that, quote, Considering she would have had Para as legal counsel, I think I did a really good job since she wasn't executed immediately. Was this a fair judgment? Who's to say, really? What I do know for sure is that some tigers got a pretty good meal that day. Back to you, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Fitz listeners. We are back. You're listening to Take Me Out to the Blall Game. I am your host, Kimberly Dauber. I am here with two uh, legal people (laughs) who are here to (laughs) help us all get oriented for the upcoming court case of the New York Millennials versus Parker and the coin, a.k.a. the boss. Uh, I'm here with Blaze, attorney of the Chicago Firefighters, a.k.a. Matthew, and I am also here with Brief Games, a paralegal for case sports of the Mexico City Wild Wings. We've been talking about what is going on in this case and what's going on in Sunbeam's court now we're going to talk about what this case means for baseball as a whole. So let's just dig into it. What are the implications of this for baseball moving forward, potentially? Uh, I'm really excited because the first time that um, we brought suit, it was actually against the baseball gods, but the commissioner got very defensive about it mm. and seemed to indicate that they could not be brought to trial or that they were above justice. Mm. And, even though this is Sunbeam's court, the idea that the commissioner could be brought to justice or could be held accountable for some of their actions um, would certainly be an interesting precedent to set um, for Blaseball moving forward. Um, I'm worried about what being held accountable means as this Mm. is Sunbeam's court (laughs) and there's only been one verdict and everyone died. So I'm a little nervous about that, but like, the idea that the commissioner could be brought to justice um, or that anyone could be brought to justice in baseball um, is, is very interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Matthew? Well, I think that, that uh, what you said was, was kind of really on point for one of the reasons that I got involved was because here in the material plane, there are actually a couple of cases saying you pretty much can't sue gods because it's hard to serve gods with the necessary papers. The two suits involved Mm -hmm. are uh, United States XRL Mayo v. Satan and his minions and State Senator Ernie Chambers v. God, both of which were dismissed primarily on procedural grounds. So here in the immaterial Mm -hmm. plane, we have an opportunity to make some really interesting precedent because the coin 
appointed uh, Parker McMillan to be CEO, commissioner, and prime minister, the coin has made him an officer of their corporation that can be served Mm. on their behalf. And so Mm. the court can set a really interesting precedent about bringing all sorts of supernatural entities to court if it allows this to go through. And I also think it's really important because, like the Mills brought up, this is about whether or not baseball is fundamentally fair. Even if the rules are stacked, if those rules will be enforced according to the rules, whether the rules as written are enforceable in enforceable agreement between the league, the players and the fans, or that they're not and that they can be limited or changed under the discretion of the commissioner, great job or not, or whatever deities are currently running the game. And especially with the arrival of the fair play era, that's a really important thing to decide here at the beginning of this new this new day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with that. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> None of us do. Chew on that, listeners. Tell us what you think on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I, for one, am extremely interested. There's a couple of different concrete outcomes that could happen with this case as well, though, right? I mean, it's for one thing, it seems like the only precedent for the previous case tried in Sunbeam's court is everyone was incinerated. Could the, could the commissioner get incinerated? Is that even possible? Are they incinerable? We'll find out, I guess. I wish, I wish no ill will towards, towards the commissioner. Um, And I hope that we all make it out of here with justice being served in moderation and not to such extremes but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. If nothing else, we will be in the the legal history books as the only civil case that ended in execution. Right. Okay. All right. So when I go to watch this, I got a new question for you two. When I go to watch this, what can I expect to see? Can you help me feel a little bit oriented? Maybe I know it's going to be complete and utter chaos, no doubt. But maybe what are some things that I can hold on to? in order to try to follow what's going on here. (laughs) Here's my best guess. So Sins, who will once again be the judge, jury, and also a witness in the trial, um, it will be once again presiding over this case. Um, It's going to happen in Discord, so we know that. It's going to happen in some dedicated channels. There's going to be an observer channel and I think a court channel. And then we've collected over uh, 60 pieces of evidence that have been submitted at uh, parkerclassaction.com. And um, we're hoping that some of our best witnesses uh, will be made available for cross-examination. Since suggested that there would be maybe five or six possibilities for witnesses um, from our end. So that's something that we are trying to figure out. Uh, We don't know the date. We don't know the time. Um, it's going to be during the siesta, which is uh, going to be at least a month. So sometime in the next month, maybe could be later than that, but I don't know. We don't have a time yet as far as I know. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of like what it's going to, how you can be a part of it is you need to be on the Blazeball discord and hopefully someone will direct you to where you need to go. But beyond that, we just don't know a lot. Yeah, yeah. Usually stuff like this is announced in the announcements channel, I believe, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they'll the keepers will almost certainly put information about where and when to go see this trial in the announcements channel on the Discord. And I believe the Wild Wings legal team is running ParkerClassAction.com. And would that information probably That's be correct. there as well once it comes out? Probably. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Matthew, is there anything else that you can tell us to help us uh, hang on to our, our pants in this game of legal Calvin Ball? Most likely what we're going to see is a loose interpretation of a trial with an emphasis on loose. But if okay. you've ever seen uh, uh, episodes of popular TV court shows, you'll probably mm. have a general idea what's going on. I expect that the Mills will probably emphasize arguments around the unfairness of not uh, distributing the proceeds of Eat the Rich, because we've seen Mm -hmm. that in the evidence. Uh, Things like Mm -hmm. starving players, spicy milk left unconsumed. The league hasn't had to make any filings, which is a unique feature of Sunbeam's court. So we don't know exactly what they'll be bringing to the table, but I think we probably have seen a preview of it in the amicus filings from uh, Yauni or Yanni B. Jazz Hand. I apologize to them if I mispronounced their name. But I also think we're going to see some really great lawyering uh, from the Wild Wings legal team who have a, a great reputation at the bar and and are underestimated at the peril of the league. Mm. Do we happen to know who's going to represent the commission, the commissioner and the boss? From what I understand, it's widely believed that Crabs LLC will be representing oh. uh, the commissioner and the boss. And that is a completely unknown quantity because who knows exactly what their viewpoints or even skills in the courtroom are after they've ascended. Okay, and this hasn't been explicitly confirmed, right? That Crabs LLC will represent the commissioner and the boss, but it seems pretty likely. I don't think it's been confirmed, but it it seems likely. And I know that they do have the boss and the, and the commissioner do have representation. Um, Keepersons has confirmed at least that much that there is a slate of representatives who are ready. Um, for the suit on their end. The crabs have been tweeting like they're doing the representing, but again, there haven't been any filings, so we haven't had to see any any signature lines. I see, I see. There's no official paperwork. Okay, all right. (laughs) All right, well, that is about all the time we've got to talk about this for today. Before we close up the show, I've got one more question for the both of you, and also thank you so much for coming on once again. Uh, last question is, as you know, we are all love baseball. So can you tell me what are you love about baseball? Maybe Matthew go first this time. Sure. What I are love about baseball is the community. I've only recently learned that I'm from Chicago, having foolishly labored under the delusion I was from somewhere else and having realized that, uh, about, late season eight, I found an incredible community in the Chicago firefighters community and in the greater baseball community as a whole, no matter what's happened, no matter who's been shelled or what, you know, ancient deities have come down to rain peanuts upon us. The baseball community has stood side by side and uh, faced it all. And it's been a really amazing journey to find myself in Chicago as we are all from. Thank you. Thank you very much. What about you, Brief? 
uh, IR, IR love the, uh, the passion for justice that's em- embraced by the whole community. Mm. I've, I've enjoyed being um, a part of this justice, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for, for Blaseball. All right. Well, thank you both so much, listeners. That is all we've got for you today. Don't forget to go to parkerclassaction.com to get the latest news on what's going on with this trial. And keep checking the Discord, especially the announcements channel, to see what's going on with that. Uh, Matthew, where can our listeners find you? You can find me at mpark6288 on either Twitter or uh, the Discord. All right, thank you. And uh, Brief, what about you and the rest of the Wild Wings legal team? Uh, The Mexico City Wild Wings legal team is on Twitter at CDMXWWLegal. All right, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, do not forget to subscribe to Take Me Out to the Ball Game wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter at BlazeballPod. Check out our website at www.blazeballpodcast.com and email us at blazeballpodcast at gmail.com. That's how Matthew ended up on the show. You can send in a question, dedicate a soul scream, or suggest something that we should interview you about. And finally, if you know somebody who would like this podcast, do them a big favor and tell them that it exists. I bet they're going to be glad that you did. I am Kimberly Dauber. You've been listening to Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And thank you for participating in the cultural event of Blaseball. Ball.